You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Make noise! It's Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats, a perfect combination. You know the deal. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another Making Monsters. We have another victory episode, which is super exciting. The Bears are on a roll lately. The defense looks really, really good. They're all clicking. Um, Actually, they went from in total defense – 30th in the league to 5th between week 8 and now just because of a couple of additions and some guys getting healthy and coming back. So it's been super fun to watch this defense recently. And so that brings me to our newest making our newest monster that we're covering this week, which is Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon has been so much fun to watch develop and get better and better this last year and a half. Uh, last year, obviously, there were some growing pains in the beginning. Halfway through the season, he clicked, had three interceptions towards the end of the year. You started to see him really shine. And this week, unfortunately, I mean this year, unfortunately, we lost him in week one for four weeks. He got injured in the, the second half against the Packers in week one. Came back week six against Minnesota. So within that time, that five and a half that five and a half game stretch, he has forty one tackles, four passes defended, two tackles for a loss, a QB hit, and an interception. Kyler Gordon's all over the field. Not to mention his whole like Spider Man mantra right now and doing flips and all of these crazy things. He's so much fun to watch. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. We're starting today with uh, Coach Jordan James. He's the director of sports performance and wellness for Archbishop Murray High School, where Kyler Gordon. And went to high school over in Washington. Uh, I think pretty close to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. It's a private, a private Catholic college prep high school in Everett, Washington. Washington. So, Jordan, Coach James, thanks for hopping on with me. Yeah, no problem. And you know, we're all super excited to watch his growth and his transition to how well he's doing out there in Chicago. I know he's enjoying the city and and, and the people out there and loving all the fans and everything. But uh, uh, as I mentioned before, I think all of us here that have had the, the fortunate privilege of crossing his path while he was here at Archbishop Murphy High School are not surprised. Uh, super special kid, and we're just excited for his future. Well, I, we are super excited here in Chicago, too. Obviously, the defensive side of the ball is a it's a historic thing in Chicago. It's what kind of they've always based a lot of their teams on is that defense. So when things struggle defensively, it almost feels a little lost for the Bears, and now it's all coming back. But let's let's start. Let's go back a little bit, get to know Kyler Gordon, because that's what Making Monsters is all about is getting to know these guys beyond uh, the Chicago Bears and beyond the NFL. So when you read about Kyler uh, you from high school, they label him an all-purpose guy. I know he did play defensive back, but I also see some quarterback stuff in there. You see, some, I think, some wide receiver type stuff. But what exactly did Kyler do for Archbishop, and where did you see him playing best at that time? You know, he, he just started all over the field, honestly. I mean, it wasn't anything that you could give him 
that he couldn't do physically, tactically, technically. Uh, he, he was just a special kid, you know. I think uh, our coaches at the time had had a great number of coaches while we were here. Jerry Jensen was his main coach when he was here. And so uh, being a part of the strength and conditioning process of, of all of our teams here and, and watching him go through all of the just different awesome things he did on the field, um, we were trying to utilize him in a lot of different ways and a lot of different packages. Obviously, he starred on defense and find a lot of different ways there to, to do what he needed to do to help us be successful. But ever since he was a freshman, you know, he was playing at a very high level and, and could not only understand the concepts on defense, um, but also could go out and execute them. Um, you know, when you see some footage, I'm sure that's out there. Uh, one of the games we particularly played on field, we played Garfield, which another large uh, recruit coming out at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, Tavell Smalls, I think, and he was coming out of Dub as well. Uh, you know, it, you just saw how much ground Kyler covered. I think in the first play, he made a tackle where he popped the guy's helmet off at just such a sheer speed that, you know, just shows up not only on tape, but just in real life. is just, wow, there's something special there. So, you know, our coach did a great job of, of taking advantage of that. You know, if we had a wildcat package, we could do that. If we needed to put him out wide at wide receiver and put him in the slot, you know, any of those positions, he just was really successful at everything that the coaches threw at him and, and, and loved it. I mean, he just loved football, and you could tell that when he played it. You could tell it when he trained and, and we took advantage of that, and, and he really helped us win a lot of games. And that's one thing you see pretty much immediately from Kyler is how much he loves the game of football. And guys say that constantly, but you notice it a little different with certain guys when they're out on the football field, and he's one of those guys that you just really, truly see that from. Uh, you guys had an interesting, kind of an interesting season slash story <laughs> his junior year, uh, yeah. 2016, went undefeated, uh, won state championship that year. But when you dig a little further, several – teams forfeited against you guys, yep. against the Wildcats that season. What was going on? Were they that afraid of what was going on with the <laughs> Archbishop that they were forfeiting? You know, I think um, it was an interest. you know, we are technically, we're a 1A size school, which means we have less than 500 students that actually attend Archbishop Murphy. I think we that year had about 490 or so. Uh, so we're a 1A size school. We compete at the state level in athletics at 2A, which means we go against uh, other schools that are about 1,000 students or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we actually play a number of league games and and conferences uh, with 3A schools and a number of our other sports. Um, And so I think at the time, you know, there was a lot of uh, talk of, quote-unquote, competitive balance. Um, Mm -hmm. We would play some teams that, you know, could – barely field teams um, and you know also you know from a sheer just size wise standpoint we had some really big guys on our offensive and defensive line you yeah. know we had out of that 15 uh, student class that graduated that 2016-17 class 15 out of the 15 13 of them went on to play FBS football FCS football wow. or another division one sport on scholarship so you know I don't think you know, I'm ever going to see that many talented athletes ever again that we were just fortunate to have uh, attend this school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a number of schools were, you know, a little fearful of the safety uh, component. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody gets up on the field and, and lines up at the same time. And so that was their choice to make. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we did everything we could. You know, I think even there's some footage out there of us training during that period. You know, my, my role and responsibility was to try to keep that team as healthy and as in shape as possible. And mm-hmm. we did a number of, of just, 
you know, protocols to make sure they were in shape. We scrimmaged quite a bit against each other. Obviously, the strength and conditioning opponent was a huge piece of it. And, and you know, in, in any of the footage you see, you can see Kyler right out in the front of it, you know. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, not only does he love football, he loves the process of, of improving. And so any opportunity he had, you know, whether it was, you know, getting in – this weight room or another weight room, going and doing seven on seven, going and doing any specific defensive back drill work, anything he could get his hands on to improve um, with a guy with his talent and his natural God-given ability. I mean, absolutely, the sky's the limit. And so, um, yeah, we we just we we had a number of forfeits. We didn't <laughs> when we were going to play. We just knew that when we were going to play, we were going to be as ready as ever. And yeah. we had a couple opportunities at the end of the season that prepared us for. Um, our run to the state championship and you know right there in front was our our amazing senior leadership crew and mm-hmm. and, and obviously Kyler was only a junior there right yeah. and, and so, I mean he was just scratching the surface mm-hmm. of you know his potential and really coming on strong to, to show everybody what he could do and in the state championship game you know you saw how impactful he was I think he had a touchdown he had an interception as well um, you know, and it was just a really special, you know, coming out party for him at the state championship to say, hey, I'm here. And, and I think is that, that we're aware of where he was already, you know, yeah. it wasn't no surprise. Well, and that's it's definitely a good time to do it. It's it's really interesting. And you mentioned the obviously all of the work you had to do to keep these guys healthy and keep them trained and ready for a game because you're kind of it, it, almost every weekend maybe up in the air for you guys. Yep. How did the students and, and Kyler, I guess, in particular handle that, though? Because beyond that, the training and the keeping healthy, it also has to be a little frustrated because this is game tape for these guys that are, and you said 13 that went on to play football. So they're kind yeah. of, they're probably in recruiting processes, a lot of them. So how did that affect the team as a whole and Kyler? Yeah, you know, I think um, every coach that's been coaching a while uh, has crossed the team you know, I think the, the, the commentary is player-led where, you know, yes, the coaching staff is driving the ship, and yes, we might be laying out the drills and kind of directing what's going on at that point in time. But I think what you saw, especially with that 2016 team, with that group of seniors in particularly, and and then also with Kyler, with our juniors, you know, that really saw the success of that senior-led group, um, it was really player led. And so, you know, yes, you were trying to keep them up and there were times where, you know, they were getting a little down and frustrated and, but they knew that any opportunity they had to get better, they were going to take, uh, you know, again, like I said, that, that team had two NFL guys in it and, and overall, you know, with Abe Lucas, who's playing with the Seahawks now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they were always, you know, just aware of like, hey, this is our potential. Whatever comes towards our way, we're going to take it. And they were always trying to get better, you know. And, yeah. and it wasn't too much of hooting and hollering from the coaching staff every once in a while. You know, that's what you got to do. But it was really coming from our senior captains, you know, Anthony Gurley, who had a great career um, and actually one of Kyler's best friends in high school. You know, those two were the tandem pair. They always had this great celebration of jumping up and locking arms and, and the really kind of leading the defensive side of the ball there. Um, but that senior group really led that team through all those frustrations. And I think anybody that's been through adversity, uh, including that group, will tell you that just, you know, for some people it breaks them, but for some groups that are really tight mm-hmm. and play with each other, they really, really uh, bond together. And it's a really op- awesome opportunity to watch and to see it uh, fold the way it did was just really special. 
Yeah, and it, those there's certain type of players I mentioned earlier, the ones that love football, but there's also the ones that in moments like that, maybe in the when there's adversity and a, a little more that you have to work through, sometimes that brings out the best of them. And the Bears have kind of gone through that this season. It was they started 0 and 4, and now they're 5 and 4 in their last yep. nine games, and things yep. are really turning around. And a large, large part of that has been what able what Kyler Gordon and the defensive back group in general has been able to do defensively. Um, Jordan, let's talk a little bit about, let's fast forward to his senior season because we talked yeah. that that was his junior year, senior season, Wildcats went 11 and two that next uh, year made the semifinals again for the state championships. How, uh, how much did you see Kyler just between those two years start to develop and really come into his own and really make a name for himself on, I guess, the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think, um, again, the coaching staff, you know, obviously with, with any team, you got to look at where your strengths and weaknesses are. And if, if Kyler's on your side, you definitely got a strength and he played both sides of the ball and every opportunity. And so, um, maybe that team would have, you know, rivaled the, the talent of that 2016 team. Um, you know, two A conference, uh, the conference we were in, uh, we we kind of shifted a little bit in some conference stuff, and then also once you get into the state tournament, you know, Tumwater is a is a really great opponent here in two A football. Uh, they went on a, a numerous state title runs, and and we ran into them in the in the semis, and unfortunately fell to them. But you know, again, in in all of it, you know, Kyler did a great job of of leading that group. Uh, what was really fun for me to kind of watch was, you know, he's always, and you know, I think you guys probably see that there in Chicago how much he does in terms of outreach and, and supports everybody and anyone he comes into, into contact with. And mm-hmm. just seeing his kind of general overall leadership ability to develop, you know, within the schoolhouse and, and, and helping every and anybody and, and befriending everybody and anybody. Um, so that was pretty cool to see, you know, him growing into that young man that we all knew he was. And, um, so seeing that on the field didn't didn't you know turn into a state championship, but again you could just see that there was going to be a really great and bright future for him, and you know really excited to see where that's gone and taking him so far. Definitely, what it, Kyler has been such an interesting person for me to kind of learn more <laughs> and more about this last couple of years. And one of the things that I read about him that kind of stuck out too was that he actually grew up taking ballet. And I yeah. think in football a lot you hear gymnastics. I've heard that one a ton because obviously it helps with footing and it helps with a bunch of little a bunch of things, balance and anchoring, especially for some of the some of the bigger guys that maybe need to figure that out. But mm-hmm. for him, that the ballet side, which it, it really stuck out when I was reading about that. So so did, is that something that was talked about by the time he was in high school that like, hey, I did this and it's helped me do certain things? You know, I think I think the word that you typically hear with certain individuals is, is kind of this prodigy idea that, you know, whether it's somebody can look at the sheets, the, the, the music notes on a sheet of paper uh, and they can just play it on the piano without even practicing it or or somebody can you know look at a math equation and solve it without using a calculator i know mm-hmm. i know that i know that's not me but yeah, me you know he, <laughs> he 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 really was almost this prodigy of movement you know you could explain it to him uh, you know, of what we were trying to do, you know, in, in particular, let's just take something from the weight room. You know, you could you could tell him, hey, this is what we're trying to do or this is how we're trying to move in this kind of movement. And I'm, and I'm sure his position-specific coaches kind of see that as well where, you know, they give him a concept and he could contort and move his body in time and space in exactly the way with, with very minimal thought, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and those that that is, you know, that definitely comes from, 
you know, a lot of early exposure in, in early on phases of life and, and kind of a long-term athletic development kind of process. And, you know, you could just tell it was there, you know, yeah. I mean, um, I just, there's just some things where I just remember we did a triple broad jump and he jumped, you know, over 30 plus feet. I can't remember what the number was. Ooh. And you just saw how he would, you know, rebound and redirect his energy when he touched the ground. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, he's got our all-time leading uh, vertical jump record in here for 43 inches. Uh, and, I mean, it's just, wow. you know, he – and, again, he was, you know, 100 and maybe 60 pounds when he had that record, you mm-hmm. know, and then he went on to UW and, and the NFL Combine, gained 30-plus pounds, and, you know, he still, you know, clocked in, I think, a, four, a 39 or a 40 at his pro day. Um, and the NFL Combine, and, you know, while that looks like he went down in high school, he's doing it with 30 extra pounds on him, yeah. you know. And so it's just these things that are, are just so wild to see, um, you know, him be able to do, you know, the, you know, the Internet blew up when he did the Spider-Man black flip, yeah. backflip. That wasn't surprising to me, you know. I mean, that was it was kind of like, of course he did, you know. Yeah. And and so just kind of like I said, I, I think the best way to describe it is this prodigy of movement that definitely was 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 born in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also obviously had some really great exposure when he was younger, and yeah. it's you know his parents got him involved in a lot of stuff, and and he found his true passion and his talent in football. Yeah, that backflip I remember is it's very cool, and I but I remember being like, but also be careful, <laughs> like we yeah did. yeah he just came. <laughs> 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 yeah, he just came off the injured list, and I'm like, of course you did, but you know, hey, let's. But that's you know, I mean, again, that's that's the that's the confidence, but that's also the just ability yeah. uh, that he has just been given. And, and again, he's knowing him, he's probably practiced it a million times before everybody <laughs> saw it. So, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was you know obviously just organic, which yeah. you guys will have to ask him that. So, that a, yeah, that's a good question to ask, uh, uh, Jordan. A couple more for you because we talked a little bit about him obviously going on to Washington. He so let's. Talk about that recruiting process a little bit for Kyler. Um, I know four-star recruit, 12th ranked, and uh, I think it was like 112th ranked nationally, but 20th ranked cornerback in the country at the time when he was, when, by the time he was coming out his senior year, he committed to Washington his that senior season in December, I guess probably right after the season ended. Um, but what was that process like for him? Because you mentioned, obviously, there, there was a little bit of experience there. Jerry Jensen also went to Washington, so I'm sure he had some advice for them, but the picking of the school because some other schools, Nebraska, uh, UCLA, Notre Dame, all set, gave him offers. Was it the closeness to home for him that kind of chose it? And what was that for, like for him and the football team? Yeah, I think you'd, you'd probably have to ask him ultimately what was his decision. But I'm sure, you know, I, I think him being able to stay home was a big to that too, you know, or at least be in an area, you know, that his family was able to um, – you know, come see him play and his friends, you know, I know fam, just with, for Kyler, I know obviously his family and his friends are everything, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's, he's such a, a homebody kid and, and, and such a great kid. Then he's so loyal to everybody that's around and um, that has helped him get anywhere. And, you know, he still has come by a couple of times while he's, you know, home and everything like that. So I think that might've played into it a little bit. He would probably be able to tell you a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and all of us here, you know, from, you know, not to speak for Jerry, but I'm sure you'd agree with me, but everybody here just wanted the best for him, you know, and and I think going through that whole process as everybody does nowadays, and even though it's, it's changed dramatically in the last five years, six years, um, I think at the end of the day, you're always trying to find, kids are trying to find a home, you know, and trying to find a place where they feel like not only one, 
you know, they're going to be, you know, treated like they are going to develop into the people that coaches say they're going to develop. And I think he saw that in that coaching staff, you know, and with Chris Peterson and and with Jimmy and um, Jimmy Lake and and just everything that those guys were were giving to that program at the time. Um, And and just seeing him on when he came home for summer break, you know, you could tell he was he was growing into an amazing young man. And that's all we ever hope for any of our students here at Archbishop Murphy and and anywhere is we just want to see him grow into their full capacity. Yeah, and that's a big thing for me and a big reason why I decided to do Making Monsters in the first place is I love football, I love the Bears, I love talking X's and O's, but I really, I think sometimes we forget that they're humans outside of the football world, and a lot of them are really cool, unique, fun, good human beings, and it's fun to kind of get to know them beyond that. Um, were you surprised at all that he went in the second round when when draft day came around? Uh, you know... <laughs> I, I don't think I was I was not surprised you know I wasn't surprised I would have not been surprised if he went in the first round I mean his just his athletic traits you know are just off the charts you know and again his his quickness and his lateral ability to move and then also his instincts you know I think you turn you know is a is a term that a lot of coaches use you turn on the tape and tape doesn't lie mm-hmm. and you know you just see that this kid's got something special. Um, and he's got some instincts that, you know, aren't teachable. And, you know, you can tell a couple of the plays, you know, I think the, the interception he had a couple a week ago or so where the ball's getting almost battered around and mm-hmm. he just puts his foot in the ground almost instinctively and is able to get to it. Um, there's things that he can do that, you know, are, don't don't measure on any kind of chart or anything like that. So uh, not surprised at all, uh, extremely happy. Um, you know, we all knew, like I said, once you start watching this kid in high school, you could see there's something special there. and. Mm-hmm just praying that, that, that it happens for him, and it did, so we're just really proud of him. Yeah, one of the things that I think had uh, benefited him a lot this season so far is last year, obviously rookie and defensive back positions really hard. That's one of the more difficult positions when you're going from college to NFL. But uh, he also had to switch. He was playing outside corner. This year we drafted another guy that's been able to play outside, and he's been able to just dominate the nickel corner position, which I feel like is probably his strongest suit, and I think a lot of the traits that you're naming – directly translate to that nickel corner position and why he's being able to be so successful there. But have you, a uh, final one for you, have you talked to him at all uh, since he's been drafted by the Bears? If so, what are his thoughts, feelings towards Chicago? And Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw him, yeah, he, he came back right after he got drafted. And, you know, he had a, a couple little workouts in, in the weight room here just to, you know, stay stay ready to go while he was gone and uh, or while he was away from Chicago, but he, he was thrilled, you know, and, and, and I talked to him a couple of times since then. And, you know, he, he was, wherever he was going to end up, I know he was going to make that his home. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think the big thing is, is the fans see not only his care and love for the city, uh, but his care and love for the fans, and, and it goes both ways with him, and, and that's kind of who he is, and, and, and it's exciting to see him there. So, yeah, he's he's he loves being a bear, you know, and, and, and he's enjoying it, I'm sure. And, you know, he's got his little crew out there that are mm-hmm. some, some students, and they know who they are if they hear this, and we're just really <laughs> happy they're all uh, they're all taking care of each other. Oh, well, we love that. Uh, Jordan, thank you again so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. Kyler has become um, – there's a lot, a lot of fans of Kyler Gordon in Chicago now, and I hope that continues because he's super fun to watch. So, again, I appreciate it, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Absolutely. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks. Bye-bye. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alrighty, thanks so much to Jordan for hopping on with me. I was working on getting another interview with um, one of... A Washington Husky that had one of their analysts that worked with Kyler Gordon, but unfortunately with Washington in the college football playoff right now, it was a little difficult. Timing is a little crazy, but I still wanted to get this episode out here because Kyler is somebody that I think has really made a lot of improvement through the time that he's been a bear. And it's been really fun to watch all of that improvement. Um, So at least we kind of get that start of how he got into football and kind of the type of person Kyler is and his strong his strong traits from the beginning seem to kind of be what he still has now but what's even better now and that's really been it's really been fun to watch I'll just go through some of his stuff through college just so you guys have kind of an idea um, just in case you don't know much about that we mentioned earlier uh, he went to Washington he was a husky um, it's so he ended up redshirting his 2018 season, his freshman season. Uh, he did play in four games, but he was able to preserve that redshirt season because of that. Uh, the new NCAA rules, and then so in 2019, he ended up playing in all 13 games. He started in just four of those 13. Uh, honor, honorable mention, all Pac-12 selection, named to the Pac-12 Academic Honor Roll. Started each of the first three games of the season. Um, he finished. The game against EW, EWU game with four tackles. Um, he was named the Washington Coaches Special Teams Player of the Week for that Eastern game. He had four tackles versus California, season high, nine total tackles in the uh, Washington win over Hawaii. And I feel like kind of through that season, it just it started progressing. You really started to see more and more um, from Kyler during that time. But he ended up towards the end of that season, they, he started the Apple Cup finishing one tackle, uh, which was a, a tackle for loss, five-yard tackle for loss, which is a play that you'll see a lot if you bring him up on YouTube. But 
Then he made one tackle in the Las Vegas Bowl and a win over Boise State. He was named Washington's most outstanding special teams player of the postseason um, in the banquet that year just because of what he was able to do in that Las Vegas Bowl, and that was 2019. 2020 comes around. Obviously, COVID hits that year. The Pac-12 uh, didn't play their full season. They only played four games that year, and he played in all four games, uh, started in one. He saw uh, the, the a majority of the action in the Oregon State game that, pick, that kicked off the season. Uh, he led the team, both teams in that game with seven tackles and a win over Arizona, three of them being on special teams, though. Uh, he was named the Washington Coaches Special Teams Player of the game after that game. Uh, and then again, there was only three games after for the rest of that season. He was named the Special Teams MVP for the second year in a row for Washington uh, and that was in a short season, as I mentioned. But I, I feel kind of bummed for him because when you go back, we were talking about his the, the time in high school and how many games were forfeited against them. And so he lost all of that tape and all of the, the development and really learning game time speed during his junior season in high school. And then again, he gets to college. COVID happens. They have a shortened season to four games. And once again, he's losing a whole season of really developing and getting playing time as a football player. But he stuck it out, came back in 2021. And that year, he was named to the All-Pac-12 first team. He started all 12 games, seven uh, seven tackles, including one for a loss for, versus Montana to start that season. And you just saw Kyler get better and better throughout this year. This year really, really amped up his name when it started, when you started hearing um, scouting reports and all of these things that were... Uh, all of the rankings coming in to going into the draft and whether he would go into the draft after that season. But uh, he won the Husky Excellence Award at the Washington Postseason Award Banquet that year just because of what he was able to do on the field that year. And obviously, we he was going head-to-head with another really good cornerback, and that cornerback, Trent McDuffie, who um, a lot of people probably recognize that name. He plays for the Kansas City Chiefs right uh Kansas City Chiefs. He was drafted also in the 2022 draft, and that was kind of his the, the one of the biggest talking points. A lot of times of where he would get drafted because McDuffie just seemed to be a little slided a little bit ahead of him um, in most of the scouting reports, and uh, for multiple reasons. But his his development during that final seasons is one of like just the best stories when it comes to Washington, his time at Washington and also now his time at the bears. Um, he's a really good run, run stuffer. He's super agile. He can do, uh, he can do a lot of stuff and it's been really fun to watch that. Um, when you go back to his time at Washington, and this was something that was really interesting to me, is uh, obvious Jimmy Lake's tenure at Washington was just really, really bad. Uh, it was an uh, absolute mess. But a lot of people give a lot of credit to him because he was he's really able to scout and develop defensive backs. And better than a lot of coaches and maybe that you see that sometimes where these coaches are good, really good at recruiting players and finding these players and evaluating the talent but once it comes to actually coaching them and getting translating that to foot that wins on the football field that doesn't always translate and that's unfortunate for Jimmy Lake because as I was just mentioning when it comes to the, at the college football level Washington has produced a lot of NFL playmakers recently, Byron Murphy, and this is all in the defensive back group, Byron Murphy, Kevin King, Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor Jr. Um, and then now, obviously, as I was just saying, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, both in that 2022 draft and regarded as pretty high corners. I think that uh, Gordon was the sixth best corner ranked uh, and a lot, fifth, sixth in a lot of the rankings that I was seeing during the time. Trent McDuffie higher than that, probably more like second, third. But McDuffie... Um, 
he was the cornerback at Washington that was regarded as like the first round pick guy. Uh, And so there was questions surrounding whether how closely Gordon, Kyle Gordon was to him, how far apart they would get drafted. Um, So it's been kind of an interesting thing to watch their careers go through, too, because we know, obviously, we're closer and more familiar with Kyler Gordon. But Trent McDuffie has... He was drafted, I want to say he ended up being drafted with the 21st, uh, yeah, the 21st pick with the Kansas City Chiefs is when he was drafted. So obviously we got Kyler Gordon in the second round. But uh, just looking at some of their numbers, for example, McDuffie has played, he has started in 24 games, so he has four more starts uh, than Kyler Gordon does. And there's numbers that you can compare. Kyler Gordon has four interceptions and McDuffie hasn't had an interception yet. Uh, That's one glaring difference that I think you can say that Kyler Gordon obviously wins in that comparison. Three of Kyler Gordon, three of the four of Kyler were last year. In the last, I think, six, seven games, all of his interceptions came in that time. So uh, we've only seen one this year. Hopefully we see a, a couple more pop off during these last four weeks. But when you go on to the rest, let's just take an example. Uh, passes defended. We have Kyler, uh, sorry, Trent McDuffie has 14 and uh, Kyler Gordon has 10. Uh, we have forced fumbles. This is one thing that McDuffie's really, really good at. He has six uh, forced fumbles and five of them coming this season, while Kyler Gordon only has just one. And then we have uh, the fumble recovery. Obviously, Kyler Gordon actually did have one last season. And uh, McDuffie, although forcing five, had not recovered one of those five. Uh, but he's getting the ball out of the hands. He's doing that peanut punch type thing, which is what we would also like to see our corners doing. But then when you go over to just tackles, uh, they both sit at 112 tackles. Uh, Solo, McDuffie has 78. Kyler Gordon has 83. Uh, Tackles for loss, they both have four. QB hits, McDuffie has nine QB hits, and he also has four sacks, while Kyler Gordon only has one QB hit and one and zero sacks. That also is probably the way their defenses play, and that's why we're seeing Kyler Gordon with these interception numbers, but we're seeing McDuffie with these QB hits and the sacks, so there's a little bit of a difference there. Uh, but they're both playing really, really good football so far in the NFL, and I can't speak on truly what McDuffie has done. I'm just reading his numbers. I, I can't go through and analyze his play like I can Kyler's because I'm not watching him week by week, but it looks like they are very close, just like they were very close coming out of Washington. And again, credit to Jimmy Lake for finding so much talent at the defensive back group. So maybe we should go around and start looking for some other (laughs) defensive backs uh, that maybe Jimmy Lake had recruited or tried to recruit. But uh, it's, it's been really fun to watch him Uh, grow and get better and one of the things we mentioned is his ballet that he did another thing I read was that he also had uh, practiced or taken lessons something in that realm of kung fu so that it just shows we see in the fun quirky spider-man stuff but it also translates to the football field and you see that just how I who, how flexible and agile he is when he's on the field and when he's going up for balls and when he's deflecting passes and when you're seeing him in certain in, in certain schemes that Iberflus does, he just really pops. And I just I fully think that we're going to continue seeing him get better and better. And I, I'm super excited because this defensive back group is young and it has a lot of potential. Obviously, Jalen Johnson having a career year in a contract year, which makes sense. That's talks that will be coming up. Are they going to tag him for that 19.6? I believe. 
it is, or are they just going? Are they going to maybe offer him eighteen, um, lock him in for a little while? Because I, I do think that they sh- they will probably be parting ways with Eddie Jackson soon, and in that case, they'll be looking for a younger safety or maybe a safety and free agency that's only a f- you know three four years in. But I'm confident in what Ryan Poles. As long as we have Ryan Poles, which I've been vocal on this, that I hope he stays, but uh, of what he's been able to do in that defensive back group, because even when you look at guys like Terrell Smith, um, Tyreek Stevenson this year, the, what they've been able to do, and then obviously Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, and all of the, the defensive back group, I think, can be very dangerous if they just make those couple other moves and maybe start getting some depth pieces, but... This week we are moving on. We have the Browns. I'm actually heading up to Cleveland on Saturday morning to go to this game, to the Cleveland Bears game. It'll be interesting. Uh, Cleveland's defense can be really nasty, especially up front. They're really good at forcing, uh, getting to the quarterback. They're good at forcing, you know, forcing mistakes. Um, and that's honestly kind of what they rely on too, is they they rely heavily on the opposing team making mistakes. That's kind of what has carried them through certain aspects because their offense in no way is playing lights out football. They're obviously playing with a backup quarterback. They made a they had a contract on Thursday with Joe Flacco, so he not doesn't have to keep going back and forth between practice squad and the starting roster. So we'll be seeing Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco is a veteran and he knows how to do certain things really good, but he's also easy to rattle. He's easy to get him to make mistakes and force some turnovers and that's what the Bears are going to have to do in my opinion to win this game is win the turnover battle, win the mistake battle. Uh, the last week was the first time since week five or six where the Bears hadn't had more than five penalties. And that's something that they really have to start focusing on because penalties this season and last season have truly killed the Bears. We're now seeing what what is happening up front with the addition of Montez Sweat and with the defensive back group all getting healthy. It's uh, The defense has went from what was 30th ranked in total defense to now a top five defense in the last few games just because of what they've been able to do on front, um, in front and you're not seeing as many sacks as you'd like, but you're seeing way more pressures, way more QB hits. You're seeing them rattle the quarterback way, way more, and this is turning into mistakes. And you saw that several times with Jared Goff the last two games, but especially this last week when in that final drive. Um, I posted something because obviously the Bears lost Yannick Ngakwe, and in that final drive without Yannick Ngakwe, they were still able to really manage to shut Jared Goff down. And it was honestly it was interesting to watch because I went back and I was looking at the film just to see what exactly they were doing um, once Jan did go out. So he went out with about 745 uh, left to play in the fourth quarter. After he went out, uh, Jared Goff went three for 11. He was sacked three times during that time. Plus there was a tapped, uh, a tipped pass that ended up getting intercepted by Tremaine Edmonds. But the rotation during that time was Rasheem Green, uh, Javon Dexter, Justin Jones, and Montez Sweat. And then they also had Demarcus Walker, Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens, Montez Sweat. And then they also had Rasheem Green, Dexter, uh, Javon Dexter, Demarcus Walker, and Montez Sweat. So the de- common denominator is Sweat was out there on all th- all four or five of those big plays that happened in in the last two drives for the Lions. But the cool thing is that they were able to mix the other things between Justin Jones, Javon Dexter, Rasheem Green, Demarcus Walker, and Zach Piggins. Those other three spots on the defense on on the D line were able to be rotated out and it kind of kept some of those guys fresh. And we saw, like I said, three sacks 
a a couple more close ones. We saw a tipped pass. We saw an interception. We saw a lot of good things. Um, the run game kind of looked like it was struggling a little bit towards the end. You saw Monty get a couple big gains. but um, So to me, I feel like it's going to be an important thing to be able to shut down the Browns' run defense. If we can really slow down Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford and make uh, Flacco throw the ball and make Flacco make some mistakes, then this is a winnable game. If we're not able to shut down that run defense like we've been able to do for a majority of the teams this season, then it's probably going to be a long day. But uh, offensively, I think it's just let Justin do what Justin's been doing and uh, RPO play action, get him get him moving a little bit. DJ Moore being healthy, he's missed a, he's has a, an injury right now on his ankle, and he was uh, didn't practice yesterday, was limited, uh, or didn't practice on Wednesday was limited on Thursday, so we'll see what it looks like this weekend. I'm hoping it's more of a precautionary thing for DJ Moore, although they decided they didn't even throw the ball to him until the second half of last week. You'd like to see and be able to rely on that a lot. Um, but yeah, so a, a lot of good things. The Bears are in this weird position right now where we're talking about mock drafts because they have the number one pick from the Carolina Panthers, but in the same breath, they're in the hunt. I'm putting up air quotes with that because they're about a game back from uh, a handful of other teams. That's the one issue. So you need some other teams to lose and you need to win out. And it, this season suddenly flips, but they're playing meaningful football. And I think that's what we all could have asked by this time of year is improvement through Justin, seeing that Justin DJ connection, seeing the defense improve and playing meaningful football and check, 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 check. But anyways, thanks everybody so much. Um, I hope everyone has a good weekend and I hope we're talking about another win next week and uh, another monster game from one of these young kids that I can't wait to learn more about, or maybe even a Montez Sweat episode, because from what he's been able to do for the Chicago Bears, I'd love to learn a little bit more about him. But anyways, I'm Taylor Dahl, and this is Making Monsters. <laughs>